Welcome to Bible study. This is Nick Rita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again and uh, happy to introduce to you our panel. I mean, first of all, I would like to welcome um, our facilitator for the first time today. Jan, I would like to say uh, welcome to you. And thank you for taking time to prepare this study for us today. Also, I would like to thank Ken for coming back. Good thank to have you. Yes, I'm very pleased to be here. Thank you. After a period of uh, time, you were absent from this panel. Good to have you back. Um, and Len, joining us today on the panel. Thank you, Len. Yes, I'm sitting in a different seat today, but glad to be here. And Lija, uh, also thank you for coming with us for the Bible study. Thank you for being here. We are studying for the last few months from the book of Acts. Wonderful uh, book in the Bible and how the church was, um, you know, established, to say so. But I will uh, leave that to Ian as he is taking us through, even if he's the last study from this book today. We are going to come back next uh, week with another topic. But uh, Ian, just take us through today, please. Thank you very much. I think the first lesson and the last are the most important, the beginning and the mm -hmm. end. Well, have you ever had someone who is a good person but a bad traveling companion. What sort of a traveling partner would Paul has been? But before we will start and dig uh, deeper in this conversation, let's say a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this privilege to be today together and uh, sitting in front of the open Bible, the book of Acts. Lord, we are finishing today. Help us to see things which we should take with us into our life. Amen. We ask you for guidance of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just imagine that we are sitting on the ship in the ancient world and, uh, and someone is telling you, oh, we have a new companion of our journey today. It is Paul. What would be your answer would you say well fantastic it will be a great journey or you will be a little bit scary well wherever paul went well nearly everywhere he went there was trouble so one might get the impression that with paul on board there's going to be trouble well that that's my opinion that's uh, when he wrote the second corinthians he mentioned that he was a shipwreck three times and, and he spent a day and night in the water. So I can say that uh, from one side it was excited and exciting information, but as you said, from the other side it was a little bit scary uh, because Paul always experienced an, an, a hardship. So Paul had always wanted to go to Rome. Now he has a chance. He's on the journey. Probably it wasn't quite the journey he had hoped for. What's your feeling? What was Paul feeling going finally to see people in, in Rome? Well, the Lord had promised him that he would stand up or he would witness for him in Rome. So I believe that Paul had no doubts that he would reach Rome and uh, certain events occurred, but I don't think he ever lost sight of that. He trusted God, he trusted the promises of God, and so he had no question that he would get there. But on the way there were incidents, and those incidents he used for to advance the gospel, 
because whatever they were, he took advantage of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though he was um, experiencing hardship in uh, Jerusalem and, um, you know, in Caesarea, um, as you just pointed out, Len, and I would like to just uh, mention that uh, verse, I mean, in chapter 27, verse 24 in Acts, God is uh, assuring uh, Paul, do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. You must stand before the Caesar. Paul wanted to go to Rome for a long time. He was, you know, willing to go there, obviously in different circumstances, not in chain, but uh, now God is promising him that whatever happens, he will still go to Rome and stand before the Caesar. Now, standing before the Caesar was a very uh, important thing. Who was Caesar? Well, he was the emperor, of course. He Mm. was the, the head of the Roman Empire, which was very extensive. And so this is the highest authority, highest earthly authority who existed at that time. I would like to say that God used Paul in any circumstances to advance his gospel. And on this long and uh, turbulent uh, sea journey, on the boat, there was the Bible says that in verse 37 that um, there were there 276 people on board. So God knew how to make uh, his name known to these people. And of course, they had a, a very, as I said, a very long and turbulent sea journey. And uh, uh, the Bible uh, tells us that uh, uh, um, it was a, a very dramatic situation. Um, lots of days of poor visibility and heavy rain and storm and uh, raging winds without knowing uh, exactly where they were and uh, completely exhaustion. And, uh, the Bible also mentioned that they didn't eat for several days and I think they were desperate. So Paul intervened quite a few times like, let's say, spiritual advisor and uh, talk to them. First of all, he says that, as Nick says, that God sent an angel to him and told him, assured him not to be afraid because everything will be all right and he will see Caesar and he will have a trial in front of Caesar. And uh, he had a second intervention and a third intervention on the board of the ship. Okay. We also learned that uh, Paul is not traveling by himself, probably also Luke, the author of the book of Acts, is traveling with him Uh, because those last two chapters of the book of Acts, uh, we have those uh, fragments which we called we fragments, where Luke is saying we means I, Luke and uh, and Paul. Um, uh, Luke is an eyewitness and we have uh, extremely rich chapters with uh, lots of uh, details in it and, and even ancient historians, they are reading and studying these uh, last two chapters of Book of Acts just uh, as a, the best uh, description of the traveling on Mediterranean Sea and, uh, and the ancient uh, situations on the sea. So, coming back to Paul, what do you suppose it would be, uh, it would have been like to, to travel with Paul? I think there was another companion with Paul mm-hmm. in uh, chapter 27 <coughs> verse 2 says that there was 
Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. So this one was another Christian that accompanied Paul on the journey together with Luke. So I think they were together a group of three. Well, or more, we, we, we don't know, but uh, yeah. it, it's important uh, uh, that, the that the first person plural, we, including, includes also uh, Luke, who was the author of, uh, of the Gospel. I think it would have been very interesting traveling with Paul because he experienced so much, so many different things happened. And although he had a lot of trials, he also did amazing miracles all along the way. So I'm sure he had a lot of confidence inside and I'm sure many of the people with him at the time thought well I wonder what's going to happen this time they had seen many of these miracles happen they had seen Paul uh, shipwrecked and beaten and all sorts of things happened uh, perhaps maybe to all of them mm -hmm. but they always came out on the other side and I'm sure they realized inside that God had a plan for them and that plan would be fulfilled I think it would have been very exciting traveling with Paul if you knew anything of the history and you knew that the, it was going to be some sort of event that occurred. But on the other hand, I would have loved to have been there with Paul and listened to the stories of how the Lord worked through him. And if you remember previously in Acts, at the end of each of his mission journeys, well, at least the first and second, he spoke to the people and he enthralled them with stories of God's intervention and how so many people have been saved. And I think that would have been really good. I'm wondering if Luke would have answered this question in, this, in the same way as Barnaba. Because you see, there, we, we have a lot of uh, description of the traveling. Paul traveled with, with many people. Do you think that Luke has the same impression as Barnaba? Just before that, um, I would like to just mention something about Paul. Paul was a very highly regarded person. If I mention just a few names who like to sit in front of Paul or alongside with Paul, to mention Felix, to mention Agrippa, King Agrippa, to mention... There will be few other names. Even the Caesar himself heard about Paul. Is that... Are we talking about a personality here? Or are we talking just a simple man? Well, I was asking the question. I was less, I, I would like to see the, pers the Paul as a person, because usually uh, uh, we we see him as a theologian, mm -hmm. as the author of the uh, the big portion of the New Testament. But it's nice to have a reflection. He's heading Rome. He's having this hardship on the on the ship. And, and we know also that Barnaba had a, a little bit different opinion about uh, traveling with, uh, with Paul. I, um, today I'm, I'm wondering if, if Luke had a different uh, feeling. And uh, it leads me to the question, do you suppose Paul mellowed with age? Or did he become even more set in his opinions? What do you think? I think uh, Paul really personally speaking, and I know the Bible doesn't make this clear, but I don't really think he changed. I think perhaps as he got older, he got stronger in the Word of God and uh, in the X that he did. Uh, so personally, I, I don't think he would have mellowed. I think he would have been out in the forefront all the time. Okay. okay. I think Paul was a lovely person. It doesn't matter about his age. I don't. We don't know exactly what age was he at the time, but I think he was a lovely, caring person because 
uh, in this, just in this trip to Rome, he was caring about the people, warning them about the voyage, that this, uh, uh, he saw that it was a dis disastrous voyage, and he gives some instructions to them, but they didn't listen. And the second, his, on his second intervention, he asked them if it's possible to eat something because it, they didn't eat anything and they wouldn't be able to carry on to survive uh, from the boat to the land when they were landed. Caring person, I think. And I think we'll come uh, to that point a bit later, you know, in our discussion. But right now, what I like about the panel discussion is that you can uh, have uh, differences in opinion. Yeah. You know, myself, I think that Paul was... Uh, changing a little bit oh, yeah. and the reason I'm saying I mean not to be judgmental but I even said to a previous uh, program that I think Paul was not standing as firm as he stood before, before mm -hmm. during his visit in Jerusalem he was compromising a little bit in Jerusalem there and uh, now probably that changed a lot the whole thing you know in, uh, in the how God probably thought of of his mission. Even himself, he had plans to go to Spain, to go to some other parts of the world, but he ended up to go in chained to Rome. And God can turn out from something which doesn't look so promising, so good, it can still turn it out for a good. If you allowing God to work, continue to work in your life. Okay, yeah. I would like to move a little bit further and I would like to uh, turn your attention to the another interesting person and uh, this person is a centurion. When we read the book of uh, um, Acts and when we read the Gospel of Luke, uh, we have a feeling that the Roman centurions are depicted as people of character. You know, the Cornelius I don't know if, uh, if the jailer in Philippi was a Roman soldier, probably not. But, but I, I can see that the centurions were introduced as a people of character. Do you have this uh, similar feeling? Yes, they had to be responsible people. After all, they were in charge of at least 100 soldiers. And on board the ship, the centurion was really in charge because although the sailors and probably the captain of the ship didn't want to leave uh, Fairhaven, I think it was Fairhaven, uh, the centurion urged them, no, we've got to get to Rome, which was a bit of a mistake because the ship got lost and all the cargo got lost, but some people got saved. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see, just imagine Rome, enemies, uh, tension. Uh, Jewish people were not very happy having Romans on their territory. But here in the Book of Acts, we can see that this uh, Roman power is helping Paul and rescuing Paul, which gives us a little bit uh, interesting flavor also on, on this, uh, of, of this situation. Are there people of virtue and integrity that are not part of our faith community? And they are still beautiful people. I mean, that's a very big question. Uh, I would like to just say a couple of things about that. This Roman centurion, you know, he stood his ground. He, he was a responsible man, as Len just pointed out. Sometimes people in the communities, they can be easily influenced, manipulated by uh, various uh, ideologies. Now, Paul was a very good speaker, following God very 
intimately and he was well known. A lot of people could be easily, you know, just trapped into different teachings, different doctrines. But this centurion, he could read that Paul was a sincere person and a man of God. And I think that was very important. And as you pointed out, uh, there are definitely a lot of people of good character. It's interesting because in, in the world, because centurion is is in contrast to to the to other people whom we suppose to think that they are a, a good people, supportive people, the the church leader. But it it seems to me that in this context, um, a centurion is introduced as a person of integrity, person of character, and that's a beautiful example. Uh, Paul was chained to another soldier, I don't know if to the centurion, but he was under the supervision of centurion all the time, permanently. And I think this centurion was the witness of every word that Paul spoke. And uh, it says here, when before they reached Malta, uh, the centurion effectively uh, intervened not for uh, not for the prisoners to be killed as the soldiers decided but because of the sake of Paul he prevent them to be killed so it means the centurion had already a strong uh, a good impression about Paul loved him and he knew that he's a man of God because I think he was a witness and we don't know if maybe the centurion was in the end uh, a believer, you mean? Yeah, became a believer, yes. I, I think one of the, uh, the main strengths of Paul that we read in the Bible, of course, is that Paul was uh, a man to every person that he met. So if he, he was speaking to a Jew, he, he was a Jew. If he was speaking to a Gentile, he was a Gentile. And obviously speaking to a Roman, he was a Roman. So he was on everyone's level to try and win them over and uh, preach the word of God to them. Well, the question's really about centurion, and what Ken has said answers uh, the question partly. But I see it a bit like this. The centurion was in charge of the prisoners, and I don't think Paul was the only prisoner. I think there were other prisoners, but the centurion would have known some of the history. Why is this person being chained on a ship to go to Rome? to be tried by Caesar. And he would have heard that there were no charges against Paul. Mm -hmm. And so he would have thought, well, this is probably a miscarriage of justice. And he would have regarded Paul probably quite highly. I think he probably felt, this is the centurion, that he and Paul were almost equals. Mm -hmm. But we can see that uh, the trust of centurion towards Paul is growing uh, because uh, when Paul suggested not to start the journey, centurion preferred to listen to the professionals rather than, than Paul. But when uh, when Paul suggested later on that uh, yeah, we have to eat, we have to mm, strength, they uh, they they were willing to to listen um, uh, to Paul. And well, what, was, what was the crucial point in, uh, there when um, the centurion changed his um, you know attitude towards Paul? Because as you just said, he was not prepared to listen to Paul giving advice in a, for the nautical. Uh, business, you know, how to go on the sea. Yeah. He thought, well, he's a, a preacher or he's a whatever, but not doesn't have to do anything with uh, how to 
to fail. But what changes the view of um, Centurion towards Paul? Just stepping back a minute, uh, if you look at something we mentioned earlier on, that uh, Paul had a reputation, and I'm sure many people, including the Centurion, would have heard that he was a troublemaker, or it seemed to be trouble everywhere he went. So initially, he probably was quite wary of him, I would have thought. But of course, if you're attached to somebody or with somebody night and day, you do hear their, they hear them, and you see their mannerisms. You, you just get to know them a bit better. And I guess being with Paul for such a long time, especially on the ship, when the incident happened about it being uh, wrecked, uh, and uh, everything that Paul said came true, I'm sure the centurion must have thought deeply about it. Mm. Mm. All right, I would like to lead you towards a little bit difficult, more difficult uh, issue. And uh, well, over and over again, in in Paul's experience. He's rescued from death. Yet we know that many other followers of Jesus were not spared. Is this just a matter of chance? When we read this story, for example, of James, James was imprisoned and, uh, and he was beheaded. Uh, a couple of months later, Peter is in this same prison and he's rescued. Now, Paul is rescued. How to explain these uh, things that some people are just, just like left alone, some of them are killed? I've pondered this too. But I think God does special miracles sometimes when there's going to be an opportunity for that person or those people to speak for him to be very influential. Now, I'm not saying James wouldn't have been influential. He probably was. But I don't know the mind of God. God says in Isaiah, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. So although I ponder about this, I don't know the answer. I leave it to God. Mm -hmm. But there are also a few things which we can talk about. For example, James, because you you raise it up. Uh, after James was uh, beheaded, there was a huge spread of the gospel. People thought that if they will finish with James, everything will be stopped. That's not true. You see, God knows um, how to look beyond what we can see and think. And in the Bible says someone that whoever loves their lives more than anything, they can lose it. But who will give their lives for me? They will have it from abundance. You know, I mean, if they lose their lives, by martyrdom, for example. Some people did that, but God's plan was not stopped there. Because this life for us here is not everything. This is just right, an opportunity for us to live fully for God. And I think Paul showed that thing, and God knew that he can use him even more. That's why probably he was spared in so many instances. Well, it's easy to, to talk about this in studio, but when we look at the real life, it's a very challenging situation. Many people are saying, well, that God is arbitrary uh, in, 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 the, in, in the decision how he's uh, dealing with us. I think there's a very interesting aspect to this, and I just want to say a little bit more about what Nick was talking about. When James was beheaded and people heard about it, they could go one of two ways. They could say, well, I'm not going to be part of this movement because I might get killed. On the other hand, they could say to themselves, if a person is prepared to give their life for this particular thing, there must be something worthwhile in it. 
and I should think, this is my thought, that uh, this is one of the reasons why the gospel spread so quickly as a result of persecution. Well, I, can, I think that we can spend probably much more time on, on this discussion. I think it's important to differentiate between the God's power and God's providence. We are very confident with believing in God's power, but also we have to believe in God's providence and and He's sovereign, and uh, and and He is, and we have to allow Him to make um, appropriate decisions in our lives. Well, there is a catastrophe on the sea, and uh, and they end up on Malta. What happened there? Do we have any any special events uh, happening there? Something interesting? Of course, the ship was wrecked. It drifted for about 14 days in this hurricane storm, which over there they apparently call a northeaster. They ran the ship aground. There was a sandy area and the ship ran aground, but Paul had been told by God that not one person would be lost as a result of dying because of the shipwreck. But it was very windy, it was cold, it was raining, and uh, everybody was basically freezing. So a fire was lit. I imagine it was a bonfire. Some of the locals probably helped out here and lit this fire and they were drying it off and warming up. And Paul was collecting some wood. He just didn't sit there and preach. He, got his, he went and picked up wood. And he was about to put the wood on the fire and he must have picked up a snake in the wood too, whether it was a hollow log or what, the Bible doesn't say. The snake bit him and hung on, hung on to his hand. And they all expected Paul to die because when a snake bites you, if it's a venomous snake, you're going to die, usually. But he didn't. And first of all, when the snake bit him, the people, the local people thought, or probably some on the ship, who uh, had survived, uh, probably thought, oh, he must be a very bad man. God is meeting out justice Mm. to him. And when he didn't die, but kept living, they thought, well, no, he must be a God himself. Mob is changing (laughs) attitude so quickly. (laughs) And you know, again, um, how we can see how God is working uh, here. Even today, we have so many beliefs and uh, traditions and understandings of things and people can be easily caught into uh, all sorts of beliefs which can be harmful for your soul for your salvation and in this case these people even though they may not recognize or believe in the true god yet but they were good-hearted people if you like and i just imagine when i read this story when i traveled some years ago into the pacific islands and I was just even thinking if I would be drifted somewhere into a, you know, next to, to an island like Abemama, Len, does that, does that say something to you? Or <laughs> we have been together, actually, in, in that small, small That's island. Right. But people are so friendly, so yeah. open to receive us and to receive Paul in that case and the whole crew, which, which was there, and helping them. And here is God when he have an opportunity to perform. Uh, a miracle through Paul. But we also expect when Paul came to the new place, when he's leaving, he's always leaving a, a, a group of believers or established church. But in Luke's account, we don't have any information about that. So it's it looks like nothing happened on Malta. What do you feel about that? Uh, about that? I don't believe it. 
otherwise Paul would have changed his pattern. I mean, in the past, uh, every time there was something serious happening like this, he spoke to the people and he explained about Jesus being the Messiah. It just wasn't recorded here, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I think it the other be coincidental. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing also is that uh, we sometimes forget that uh, the word of God is sown. The seed is sown and it doesn't necessarily spring up right away. And Paul traveled many parts of the world spreading the seed. And I'm sure there's many churches grew up long after he had left. But at the, at the moment, I think it's it's always uh, also good to remember that uh, that uh, the mission in the world goes beyond baptism and church planting. Uh, yeah. the, the mission is not necessarily always measured by the number of people who join the church. I think the 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 testimony, the witnessing for Christ was powerful on Malta. And, well, that's uh, the main topic of the book of uh, Acts, how to be a successful witness, how to share the good news uh, uh, with people wherever we are. Yes, uh, a beautiful story. It's showing us in uh, chapter 28 on about the island of Malta. Um, Look, it's saying here that uh, they were they have been welcomed in the house of a chief official of the islands. His name was uh, Publius, and uh, he welcomed all of them and uh, being very hospitable. And his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and uh, dysentery. And Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him in chapter 28 verse uh, 8 and 9 and when this happened the rest of the sick of the island came and were cured so it means paul witnessed their god's power and we don't we don't have anything uh, saying further uh, if from these experiences if christians came out of the island but for sure for sure their hearts were touched by God and they became Christian. I would like to also uh, turn your attention to the parallel between Paul and Jesus while uh, on the ship uh, we read in, in uh, verse uh, 35 chapter 27 after he said this he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. Can you see the parallel between what Jesus did with his disciples? And now Paul is doing a similar things, but there is a different context. What's the difference? What's the similarity? What's the difference? Well, I would like to suggest this. Jesus called himself the bread of life. Without him, we cannot have eternal life. In this case, where Paul uh, encouraged the people to eat and he broke the bread, it must have been pretty stale by then because it's about f uh, a fortnight after the storm broke. That represented physical life. In the case of Jesus, what he gives, gives spiritual life, eternal life. What I would like also to point out in, in this situation is that after quite a few years, Paul was still doing what Jesus told them to do. 
You remember that after Jesus break the bread and show them the church was growing after and said that daily they came together. You know, there was a great power in the unity and the believing of, of those people and they break bread together. Paul was continuing to do that. What that tells me? That tells me that as many Christians today thinking that there was a lot of change from Paul, from Peter, from other uh, leaders in the early church, which majority of the Christians today, they respect and follow. Again, it shows here that Paul was one of those persons who closely followed Jesus and his example. But when we look at this, Jesus is in the upper room. There is 12 Jewish followers of him. He's praying, he's taking bread, and he's distributing the bread to them. Now, Paul is on the floating ship, on the deck, standing, and he has a 276 people, people from all different walks of life, from all different religious backgrounds, and he offered them take Mm. And it can see the, 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 the difference between the context of the upper room and the context of the uh, sinking ship. Paul was living a life following in the steps of Jesus. So his life was connected with Jesus. He lived his life. So he met the needs of the people. He always saw the needs of the people. It doesn't matter if it was physical needs or spiritual needs because as you said he broke the bread he healed the sick when he saw that people are sick so as you said pastor uh, Ian, uh, before our mission in the world goes beyond baptism or church planting it also involves concern for people and their needs so this is the practical aspect of the gospel in our lives yes but you see most of all it's 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 a beautiful picture which which is showing us the main topic of the book of acts that christianity is not a little small sect in judaism in book of acts uh, there's a big expansion and paul is doing the same things which jesus did uh, in this uh, micro world and micro group now in Ex macro. expanded and th that's exactly what um, I was thinking earlier that the great commission which was given to the disciples uh, was reflecting exactly what uh, Paul was doing you know to go to the whole world and preach whatever they experience in the upper room that experience should be passed on mm -hmm. uh, for the whole world and uh, we are not here to be segregated, you know, or to segregate and, and, and to uh, enclose. We are here to open up. But one thing which was very important uh, from this report is that Paul was keeping his faith in Jesus as Jesus showed him. He was not coming with man-made tradition or new way of approaching. He was following Jesus. And I think that's very important for us because today you can go and probably have 3,300 opinions from different groups of Christians. Now, uh, we have to move on. Upon his arrival in Rome, Paul met uh, fellow Jews who listened to his message. And in, uh, in verse 24, in chapter 28, we, we read, some were convinced by what he said but others would not believe. 
Is a belief a choice? Well, I think you could answer that both yes and no. But uh, primarily, I guess I'd have to say yes. But of course, people have different reasons for rejecting truth, for rejecting the gospel, because there might be pressure from their family, there might be pressures from their job. They might sort of uh, inwardly believe, but don't actually do anything about it because of those pressures and maybe even their philosophical standpoint. This is something I've thought about quite a lot, why some do and why some don't. I've told the story on air before about a friend of mine whose name was Brian. Brian and I went to the same church and everything, yet I was a believer, but he wasn't. And the sad thing of it all was it must have worried him and he ended up committing suicide, which I found really strange. I think one of the challenges people face today, not, I'm not talking now about non-Christians, is that they don't always necessarily hear or think about what we say, but they certainly look at what we do. And this is a, a challenge for many Christians today because some Christians certainly are Christians maybe on the Sabbath day or the weekend, but the rest of the week we maybe fall down and are not too strong in that area where we should be acting a Christian every day in the ways of the Lord every day. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between a sincere person who wants to believe but cannot and someone who could believe but choose not to? Uh, that's a very good point, Pastor Yan. And uh, over the years, many people I've witnessed to uh, who are what I would maybe class as good people, etc., well-educated and knowledgeable. The problem is, of course, that being a Christian today, you're swimming against the grain. Most people don't want to become a Christian because if they do, it means they have to make a decision, and the decision is not always something that society is agreeable with. I was reading something this morning about when people feel a need, they recognize there's some emptiness in their lives. They look to fill that emptiness. Some look the wrong way. They look to drugs, alcohol, sex, porn, all sorts of stuff, thinking that's going to fill their need. But if they don't recognize a need, and I know some people, they think, well, you know, I'm a good person. I don't do anything wrong. They don't feel they have a need, and therefore... Normally, they will not accept the gospel because they just don't feel the need. Mm -hmm. I believe that the Holy Spirit comes to everyone's door and knock. If that person opens the door, the Holy Spirit comes in and brings light and brings understanding of the truth and so on. But if the person keeps the door shut and the heart is hardened, so he, they remain in darkness. This yes. is what I believe. You see, we, we, every day we have to make a choices. Yeah. And uh, I very often pray the prayer of this man, of father of the boy, who was brought to disciples and they were not able to heal him. And then Jesus is telling this man, everything is possible for those who believe. And I... I, I love this prayer, this short prayer with this man said. You remember that? 
Help my unbelief. Yeah. Help my unbelief. I think that's that's the situation in each of us very yes. often happen because we have to make a choices. Yeah. All right. Also, when we conclude the book of Acts, we, we have a feeling that this book is not finished. It's just like Paul is in in Rome, living two years, and and uh, and that's a so, sort of of home arrest, and that's end. We we would expect something more. I don't know. Maybe this is uh, mm, uh, uh, this is a situation that this is not an original end. Maybe there was a different end. But that's what we have. What do you think? Why Luke is leaving this book like without conclusion? Mm. Okay, well, I don't think Luke knew the conclusion because I th imagine that he left. I mean, Paul was in detention there for two years, home detention, and what could Luke do? Luke could be doing other things elsewhere. So personally, I think Luke left, and um, that's why there seems to be no rounded end to the record. The, the other thing, of course, is that... Uh Obviously, going back all this time, and there'd be hundreds, if not thousands, of Christians all over the place. But the main disciples, all the works that they did, the Bible tells us, not all these things are recorded in the scriptures because they couldn't record every single little thing that happened. If they did, we'd we'd still be looking at books today. Mm -hmm. But what I like about this is that it actually is beautiful. That is not uh, finished. It's a continuation for me and for you. Mm -hmm. And for every everybody else, it's wonderful because if I could just parallel uh, with um, with something which happened in history, for example, Martin Luther, he is a great man and a reformer, and his people, the people who followed him, at some stage, they close themselves and say, if somebody else will come with a different uh, truth or understanding, they will say, did Luther say that? No. If not, we don't receive it. You see, here is the continuation of the book of Acts, if you like, for each one of us today, and to learn from Paul. And I think from the whole period of time when we look at the, uh, this wonderful book of Acts, it's not only about Paul. There, are, there were some other characters in, the, in this book which uh, the Bible talks about with, with very, very positive uh, uh, outcomes. What I get the point is that we are called by God to do everything what we can do for Him while we are alive on this earth. And if we do it with all our heart, doesn't matter how our story ends. Nick, you are almost leading towards the, the, the closing, the discussion. But before we do that, I would like to uh, also um, uh, share a few thoughts about what other scholars are thinking about how the book of Acts could be uh, finished. But before, uh, Lydia. Yes, I would like to say that I was very impressed that God used Paul as his instrument, even if he was imprisoned in a home, chained to a soldier, but after that he was supervised by a soldier, soldier all the time. So he could not go to a synagogue, but the synagogue came to him. And many people came to him all the time. Oh, in all these years that he was uh, over there, he shared the gospel without hindrance with all those who came to see him. And Paul's patience 
and uh, cheerfulness during this long and unjust imprisonment and his courage and faith were a continuous sermon to all those around him. His spirit, unlike the spirit of the world, bore witnesses that uh, a power higher than that of the earth was abiding with him. So to me, I feel that every member should be a channel through which God can communicate to the world the treasure of his grace. So, and the um, unsearchable riches of Christ. So I put myself in place of Paul. So I'm thinking, can I fall in the footsteps of Jesus and Paul? Am I ready to do that? Can I be empowered? So do I have the 100% faith that I will be bold as Paul was? It's another, so many trials. It's another beautiful ending of our discussion. But before mm. we will end, I would like to still give the chance to Lynn. Okay, well, actually, what I was going to say is very similar to what Lydia has said. It's just in different terms. The, un, the story without the end, if you like, is maybe a deliberate thing because we write the rest of it in our own mm. lives. Mm. That's true. Mm. That's true. But... There are some theories what could happen after those two years. Uh, scholars have argued that Paul was indeed released after two years since the charges against him was groundless. And we know that there was, uh, there was no serious uh, accusation towards him, that he possibly traveled to Spain as he had hoped. Uh, we have some references uh, in the book of uh, Romans that he returned to the east visiting Crete, Ephesus and Macedonia, Miletus and Corinth. So Paul come back and visited uh, the churches he established before, uh, that he wrote First Timothy and Titus during this period of freedom, that finally he was imprisoned again in year 64, the year 64 is the year where where Rome was uh, uh, suffering of uh, fire, and uh, and we know this story when Nero was accusing the Christian uh, Christians of, of of doing that, and probably in that time uh, Paul was beheaded uh, in, uh, in 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 Rome. Well. Paul wanted to reach the end of the world. When we look at the Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we have this uh, rational for the whole book that you will be my witness where? In Jerusalem, Judea, in Judea, Samaria, in Samaria, and to the uttermost. That's right. So that was the, that was the, the, the geographical uh, the ramification of the gospel. I'm convinced that if uh, Paul would know that there is America and Australia, he would be trying to, to come here and, and also preach uh, mm, uh, uh, the gospel. Well, what's the role of the witness? What's my role as a witness? Okay. You see, we, today we are living in a completely different culture, but still the job of witnessing is available for us. Well, I was going to actually pose a tricky question. You put one to us before, Jan. Now, the question is, why was Paul beheaded? If tradition is correct about this, and Paul was beheaded after he was rearrested and taken to Rome, why? Had he outgrown his usefulness? Had God forsaken him? 
I, I don't have the answer for this, but I think it's a very interesting thing. If he was beheaded, why? He was not crucified. He Peter, was, Peter was crucified. That's right. But tradition says that Paul was beheaded. That's right. Why? Yeah. Because he was a Roman citizen. And the Roman citizen was not able to be crucified. So there, there is a, a piece of history which are telling us the questions like uh, this, why Paul was uh, beheaded and not uh, uh, released. Uh, we will not answer this question until Jesus will come. But uh, this richness of, of the life of Paul, readiness to witness in all situations, in all circumstances, is amazing. I'm not sure, Len, if um, your question was why he was uh, beheaded and not crucified or why he was suffering martyrdom. What was your question? Was, was The question was why he suffered martyrdom after uh, tradition is correct that he was released and he came back uh, to Rome. What was your question? I didn't quite get it. Well, the question was why was Paul beheaded? Was it because he had outlived his usefulness or was there something other that God didn't protect him until he died a natural death? I don't know. And that's what I thought. You, you're referring to that uh, thing. Now, as uh, was mentioned a bit earlier, that during that, this period of time, that was a big problem in Rome. And uh, the fire which was burning down the whole city and needs to be somebody make, made responsible for yeah. something like that. Guilty. Guilty. And, and that was the Christians. Mm. Now, and w if you want to, who's against God's children? Satan, of course. Yeah. And Satan will find anything that's possible to disturb and to destroy the children of God. And who else will be more... If you, if you kill the, the leader, for example, of an uh, organization... You take you almost, the sheep and scatter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but, but you see, also it tells us a little bit about the size of Christian church. Because originally, on the beginning, Roman authority was not against Christians because they didn't recognize the Christian as a separate uh, religion. But now, uh, in uh, year 64, to blame Christians for the fire in Rome was necessary. Quantitative aspect was important. The amount of Christians was so big that, uh, that they were truthful uh, scapegoat for, uh, for that. Mm. Well, we have to finish, but before we will, uh, we will conclude, I would like to ask uh, one question. What has been your favorite insight from your study of Acts this quarter? If you can pick up one thing which you would like to take with you, just feel free to share. Well, I don't want to take it with me, I want to share it with others. Um, when you look into the life of Paul as a very strict Pharisee who had a dramatic conversion, what happened with him was that he committed his life to the Lord no matter what. And I believe that with us as Christians, when we commit our ways to the Lord, it's without reservation. And this is something I see and have learned from the study of this book. Ken, what, what do you think? Well, I think reading this story, it just emphasizes the point that as Christians, uh, we're not always going to have a, an easy walk in, in the world. It's going to be difficult at times, but no matter what, the God is always with us, and that's what we have to remember. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Ligia, what, 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 what's your 
favorite topic? I would like to say that it is very important to recognize that the only limitations to the gospel is our willingness to share and another's willingness to hear it. So if we will share, there are always people who will listen and the life circumstances cannot stop the spread of the gospel. So never stop sharing your faith. Mm -hmm. Even when circumstances and rejection discourages you from doing so, so make sure that you are always open to the gospel in your own life and that you are looking for ways to share it with others always. Nick, well, your turn. Maybe just a short one. Um, I would like to mention that um, I really like uh, this person, Paul, because he stood uh, his ground, even though sometimes he had, uh, you know, some issues. But he said one thing which uh, I really treasure. When he was advised not to go to Jerusalem, because uh, that could cause uh, uh, some harm for him, and he could even be put to death there, he said something significant. Don't pursue to, to stop me going to Jerusalem. Even though I need to die there for Jesus. I'm willing to go. Thank you very much. It was really an interesting journey through the book of Acts, a book which is like a well full of different uh, uh, insights and, and interesting uh, details. And uh, we were experiencing this, especially in those two last chapters. Uh, but I think that the whole quarter was the study about the art of witnessing how to witness, how to, how to spread the gospel, how to share uh, with other people our uh, relationship with Jesus. Probably for me, it's a, the, the most beautiful thing here is that we have Paul at the end, a follower of Jesus who is taking bread and he's breaking the bread and he's giving uh, this bread to people who are with him. This is an echoing the, the, the Last Supper, uh, which Jesus was uh, eating together with his disciples. And in, in, in certain sense, uh, this is an illustration of what we as a Christian should, uh, uh, should do. A little movement started in Palestine now become a worldwide uh, a movement, uh, regardless of nationality, regardless of uh, lifestyle, regardless of uh, the religious background. The bread of life is offered not to a particular group of Jewish followers, but to all people who, uh, who likes. It is shared with all of us for our salvation. And that's probably the most beautiful uh, element of the uh, Book of Acts. Thank you very much for your participation. Mm, I hope that we were uh, blessed and uh, also our listeners uh, uh, was inspired. Lynn, I would like to ask you to, to conclude with a prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word, to share thoughts about it, and Lord, we thank you that you are willing that we should become your children. Mm. I pray too for those who have been listening to this program, that their hearts might be moved to make a commitment to you, and that when Jesus comes, we can all go home with him to heaven. And it's in his name we ask this and give our thanks. Amen. 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 
Thank you very much, uh, all of you who participate in our panels uh, during this uh, study. For our listeners, I would like to just um, remind them that uh, we are not going anywhere. We will be coming back uh, on air next week, and we are going to start a new study about oneness in Christ. May God bless you, and see you next time. From some life-giving water In this dry desert land where I dwell And my cup overflowing Is the joy that makes me sing Cause I'm still drinking water from the well Oh yes, I'm still drinking water from the well Overflowing from that clear crystal fountain Watch it flow, watch it swell And my soul satisfied can you tell? Yes, I'm still drinking water from the well. They pierced his side and the fountain was opened from a spear and those three rusty nails. And it thrills me just knowing that my friends I can drink and they too can drink water from the well. Bye.